Welcome to Brand Meet Creator Podcast with me, Harley Jordan, and Sonia Elise. A place where we pull back the curtain and the trashy filters on the influencer marketing industry. So pull up a chair and grab a notebook. It's time to shed some light on the ever-changing Instaverse. This week on Brand Me Creator, we have a very special guest. We're doing a meet the brand in a little bit different way. Welcome Alex DiCapo, the VP of Digital and Influencer at Axioni PR here in New York City, a major lifestyle PR agency, and she is working on all types of amazing campaigns with influencers every single day. So we are so excited to hear from her with her tips and tricks on how to get on her radar, her favorite moments from different campaigns, as well as some that she absolutely has hated. Let's dive into it. We are starting today's episode with a very special guest, and she, of course, is bringing the fire with her. If you like it, like it. So everyone from Brand Me Creator, meet Alex DiCapo and give us your like for this week, Alex. Hi, happy to be here. Um, my like for the week is Olympia Marie, the new head of women's and kids design at J Crew. Um, I feel recently she has been all over my TikTok and everybody just ranting and raving about how she is changing the ways of J Crew and really reviving them. Um, I myself am about to maybe pull the trigger on some khakis that I would never probably Ooh, ever worn. Khakis so, girl, I think she is really, you know making some new fans. I mean, I've all, I'm, you know, love a classic style, but I'm just very into her content. Okay. As a, as a hater on TikTok, um, <laughs> tell me what she's doing on TikTok because I feel like I'm old and out of the loop. <laughs> so she's actually not even doing anything on TikTok. It is young creators. There's been all these viral videos basically explaining what she's doing at J Crew and really oh. just putting her on this pedestal of, her outfits that she shares every day and how J Crew is just having this revival moment and it's all because of her. And I just have seen several videos. I feel like one person maybe created one and then many people jumped on this bandwagon of, let me tell you the latest in fashion. Um, I think yeah, it really started with like they threw their revival uh, event on a rooftop in New York not that long ago. And then it sort of trickled down from there. Like a few influencers went and they got to meet her and they saw like the new brand vision and it started with like that. And then people started to pick up on like, who is this woman? Um, right. And of course, her Instagram is impeccable. Um, so so I think it's like launched a wave of inspiration around her as like the new it girl. So yes, <laughs> if you like it, like it. Well, first of all, I have known Alex since she was a wee girl. No, not really. <laughs> she was, she kind was of, yes. kind of though. Yes. Um, we worked together for many years way back when, and I've had the pleasure of watching her move from celebrity side of things and LA girl to a New York boss now who is <laughs> running things in the influencer world for a amazing agency here in the city. Um, so on this episode, we want Alex to dive in on how she casts creators and so much more. So I'm going to turn it over to Alex to start by just telling us a little recap of what she does and how she got here so that you can be inspired on your own career journey. 
Tell us about it. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Um, so currently right now, I am Vice President of Digital and Influencer at Azioni. Um, it's a fashion, lifestyle, beauty, wellness, really just all the things based here in New York. We also have an office in LA. Um, and then, you know, with the pandemic, we have people working all over the place at this point. But so I now have a focus on digital and influencer. But as Sonia hinted, I did start, really, I actually started on the editorial side, which um, was a very quick snippet in my career. But so that is how I got into it with specific focus on fine jewelry, which I loved. And it is a whole different beast in itself. And um, from there, I quickly moved into red carpet placements. Um, and again, specifically for fine jewelry, award show season. It was a lot of fun. So yeah, then from there, I joined Sonia actually at Weatherly. And I was still focused another agency. My entire career has been agency life. So, you know, that is what it is. But I um, there I focused on celebrity. And then I slowly started making my way into you know, not just fine jewelry, but all different types of fashion brands from, you know, denim to ready to wear to athleisure. And then I started to see the value in influencers. And Sonia at the time was running the whole influencer department at Weatherly from New York. And not all, it was still in the times where brands didn't understand the value of influencers. Do they? And I mean, I, I, you know, <laughs> you're right. I, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I still think that maybe they do not. It's a question. Um, but this was you know, at the time, just a smaller pool of people to even work with. And I had a couple brands that weren't technically signed on for influencer, but I convinced them to do some gifting to influencers. And I started to see the, you know, the relationships that you could build were, it was just so much easier to build relationships. When working in celebrity, you had to go from either the publicist to the stylist. And then if you did get product to a stylist, then it had to go to the fitting. I always called it like the perfect storm of to be able to get a like street style placement, the effort and just like everything that goes into it is fascinating. But I, you know, I just started to fall in love with it. So I then had the opportunity to, you know, head up the influencer team at another agency after that. And that's kind of where I learned everything. I, I went from just gifting to then planning full press trips or not press trips, but influencer trips. Um, and just fell in love with it. And I still, you know, love it today. But I mean, how detailed do you guys want me to get? I feel like that kind of brings us to modern day. <laughs> that brings us to now. Um, that brings us to now. So she learned a lot. Like I started working in influencer marketing. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. And it's funny, actually, because I feel like influencer was always just, an ex a, you know, the third thing agencies started to offer. And it was, I still find that it is sadly on the back burner, you know, traditional media in celebrity, as you know, if you're in LA, particularly, just always take, I think, the budgets, and that's where people are putting their money. And now I feel like all of a sudden, we've transitioned into, you know, we were doing influencer work, and now it's influencer marketing, and there's so many more metrics involved, and you can get so much more detailed, you can actually, I feel like it's the one thing that you can actually show the conversion and and actually show your value and your worth, which I think is so much harder to do you know, with traditional media and influencer. Um, so yeah, so now I am just living and breathing influencer all the time. Um, 
Love it. Well, it is quite the journey and I'm glad you were able to escape the crazy world of celebrity because come red carpet season, poor Alex would be there until like three o'clock in the morning waiting to see who would wear the different diamonds that she placed. It was quite a life, but it definitely left her with some great stories. So (laughs) amazing. So as we know, you are now casting influencers for a huge amount of brands because your agency that you work for now is quite large. What type of influencer would you say, just generalizing, is really what everyone is looking for? Because, you know, there, of course, are trends just like every everything else. Um, what do you think the trend is leaning towards right now in terms of influencers? Like, what are people asking for? What are they looking for? What's catching their eye when it comes to an influencer campaign? So it's really interesting because I... I work on many verticals right now. You know, my background, it was always in fashion. And I feel like most of the time I worked on brands that would be going to the same party. They'd be in the same section at the department store. And it, I don't want to say it was easy because it obviously still had its challenges, but I had this group of women primarily that I could reach out to all the time. You know, they had this Effortless style, you know, while some of them were all, you know, true content creators, we also were looking at women who were, you know, entrepreneurs and had a career beyond just social media, but then also had really great style. And so I was, I found myself living, you know, I could go to the same person over and over and over again, like multiple times a week for different things because they kind of fit within this one box. Um, so now because I work across so many different verticals, I actually feel like I'm always looking for different things for different brands. I think, you know, established heritage brands that are trying to reinvent themselves are looking for something, you know, completely different than an emerging brand that is just trying to get their name out there. And I think what's been interesting as well is all of our, you know, a majority of our clients are trying to establish themselves on TikTok. And I think that that is a trend across the board is video content. Who can make strong UGC like within their video content and, you know, static imagery while it still has its value, I think because there is so much effort that goes into creating video you know, the brand can create static imagery all day. I think finding someone to make an actually great engaging reel or TikTok is a lot harder. So that is something that no matter what the vertical is, I'm seeing across the board. It's so funny that you say the brand can make stellar static posts all day long. That's easy because I totally agree. And it's, it really is that video and that more interactive content that, that becomes the difficulty in catching someone's eye. So what really what really does catch your eye when you're looking for some kind of project like that? What, what sells you in a creator? So I look at, I feel like you have to spend some time on their profile and like really like, cause you know, we have so many platforms that will pull in creators that check a bunch of boxes on the back end within their metrics. Right. If they have great engagement and all of these things. Oh, the stocking and, is necessary. <laughs> yes. And so it's funny because I, you know, sometimes I think, you know, clients don't understand the labor that goes into actually building the list and kind of yes. all the different lenses that you're looking at creators through Absolutely. before they get to that list. I think that they think we all have these magical platforms, which we do. We have many magical platforms that help us in many ways. But I, you know, at the end of the day, it's that the platform can't do it. Review. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I know. They, it's like they can find all the people in LA within a certain age that, you know, have X, Y, and Z. But then having someone match an aesthetic is a whole other 
ball game. And I think it is a skill that not everyone has either. So um, I, I think too, like watching people create content that they can mimic and create for brand after brand and put a different unique spin on it. Um, like I, I think about Rainy, um, who just do, are you guys familiar with Rainy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She um, just moved to Texas yep. and she, me, me and my friends that like work in this industry, we talk about her content all the time because I think she is so creative and so inventive and all the things that she's doing and the way that she can create engaging content. And I don't want to say that she's partnering with boring brands, but you know, for maybe product that on itself isn't that engaging and she puts this creative fun spin on it. And when you look at her feed, she has, it's almost like you can't always tell what the paid product or placement is. It doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. And I think to me, that makes you a strong creator because, you know, it's obviously very easy to spot paid content. In my opinion, I'm sure we all spot it in seconds because Faster of what we do and maybe not job. everyone else does. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, but so to me, yeah, I, I think if it's, because at the end of the day, someone can create amazing content. And then when you work with them for your brand, they create really awful content. So I think the consistency mm-hmm. of it all is something that I look for. Or just really salesy content. That's true. Yeah. Engagement is lower than ever right now. And I, I feel like I've gotten tons of uh, messages from from creators saying, hey, this brand asked me for my engagement rate. And number one, if I look up any of the engagement calculators, it's not going to equate for reels. So what the hell? Number two, this is so like, this is so low. What should I be embarrassed? Should I, you know, not even try? What are your your thoughts? I know it's hard. So, you know, I think there's many reasons why we partner with creators. I think, you know, at the end of the day, I think a lot of people are trying to drive sales, drive engagement, and you do need to have a high engagement to be able to do that and to be able to get conversion and all of that. And I think now because we have so many tools to be able to monitor and track this, you know, we have unique codes, we have links, we have all these things. And even as a consumer, I know that that's not foolproof. You know, I will swipe up or tap a link to shop (laughs) something and I'll look at it on like a phone and then, you know, come back days later and buy it. Not right. on that link. So even I think just moving too, from Instagram to Safari, like yeah, that, I mean, exactly. there's so many little I things know. that you can't, you can't account for. You can't for. track. Yeah. And I think that some brands understand that and are educated and they know it's not foolproof. But what I was getting at too is, you know, we are always trying to drive sales, engagement, all the things, but then we also, you know, there are clients that want that UGC and they want, you know, to also, you know, there are some really cool, notable names that you want to have attached to your brand, and they may have really low engagement. And I think that that is another part of it. So, you know, when we build a list, it's almost this puzzle that we're putting together of these people check this box, these people check this box, there's some unicorns that check every box, which is amazing. But I think, you know, I wouldn't not try I think, what is the expression? If you don't ask, the answer is always no. So you might as well put yourself out there and see if, you can get through based on any other thing because I do think that brands and agencies are always looking at multiple factors. Amazing. I mean, I think all of that is so true. And I always explain it in a very similar way. I always say it's like the sweet 16, like basketball brackets. We're looking at a super long list and then we need these people to come here. We need the style people to come here. We need people who have a name, maybe they're previously an editor or something like that to move here. And eventually all those puzzle pieces 
come together and you get a rounded cast that hits mm-hmm. all of the goals that the brand is trying to achieve. It's and it is not stacking your easy. U-Haul. <laughs> yeah, it is not easy. It is the Rubik's Cube every single time to get a brand everything that they want. And of course, we're also looking at like diversity and inclusion and so many other factors. And it's a lot to work through. It is yeah. a lot to work through. So please give your brand marketers respect. <laughs> I'm, you know, it is a lot to work through. It's a lot of boxes to check. I think, and when you were just saying all those things too, I was thinking about, it seems like we're so high and mighty making all these selections. Then at the end of the day, we're reaching out to a tons of people that may never get back to us. You know what I mean? So I think it's also this funny thing where brands, I, you know, when you're in the brand, you're living and breathing it. You think that you are the greatest and maybe you are the greatest Mm -hmm. and hopefully you are (laughs) working with you because it makes our jobs easier. But I think too, you know, there's, I think that there also is this like education always with a, if from an agency to a brand where someone may come, you know, I want X, Y, and Z, this is what it has to be. And we have to go back and say, okay, let's be realistic. Let's, you know, let's make sure that we put parameters in, but then we can also get results and that we're also, you know, we could seed all of these people, but you also need to, I hate saying this, but like some lower hanging fruit that like, you know, you can't always reach for the stars. You need to be realistic about what is actually going to generate results. Um, so I think that that is part of it. And then I would also say, I mean, when building a list, like all the things that you mentioned, just like being inclusive, diverse, and that is still even, you think after everything we've been through in the past couple of years that brands would get it. But that also is an education where, you know, you put a list together and a client you know, nixes a bunch of names and you're like, we need all these names for multiple reasons. And, you know, not everything can be this cookie cutter size that you want. And we need to expand and bring fresh new faces into the brand. Um, And I think too, like constantly trying to be innovative and, you know, with the list that you're pulling together, I think it's, we always want to re-engage with someone who's loving the brand and is consistently posting, but then also trying to bring in new audiences always, I think too, like being aware of the cross promotion that you get, but then also making sure that you're not just putting yourself into like a small, like echo chamber of the same people because at some point it runs out. Yeah. It's such a struggle because you're also looking at this aesthetic. And that's one of the things that I run into all the time is the brand is like, well, I really like this person. And I'm like, but Mm -hmm. that person has terrible engagement. They can't influence their audience to save their life. Like (laughs) they have a hundred, (laughs) a hundred story views and (laughs) you don't want them. And our list is, you know, a ton of white blonde girls. And yeah, it's like, okay, well, like, let's, let's push that reach. Just, just a smidge, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think exactly. the, la- the laughable thing is that no matter what we do, we don't own a brand at the end of the day. And so we can come forward with all of the logic, all of the, this is not going to perform well. All of the, like this cast looks all the same. Don't you want to include some people like this? But at the end of the day, like when the brand pays you, you still have to do what the brand wants. And if the brand really wants someone and they're like, I don't care, I want this person. Like you just have to do it. And that's, sucks but it is what it is exactly (laughs) I I actually had this conversation yesterday with one of my clients where we put together this whole list they wanted you know a few different verticals that we were looking within and 
you know, a couple other factors. We put together this list and they sent us back the names that they liked. And we were, we literally were going line item by line item on this call yesterday, trying to kind of make a case for the people that were not selected. And it, at the end of the day, it was ultimately, these were just the names that she personally likes. It has kind of nothing else nothing to, do to do with anything, with anything else. else, but really just, and it, I think that's too like an education. And so, okay, as the agency, we say, okay, let's try it this way. And if it doesn't work out, we're all open to shifting gears and trying something new. But I agree, you're also working, you know, at the end of the day, we're in the service industry to serve our clients and make them happy and do whatever they want to a certain extent. And it is an education. There's a lot of things we do where we we know it's not going to work out, but we have to go through the motions to educate and learn together. Right. And I mean, bringing back your first, your first point of you go to kind of the same people because you not only trust their work ethic and the content that they create, but you're watching them all the time. So you know, and you just know the type of quality that'll come out of them. So then going yeah. to the brand, you really have to put your foot down and be like, okay, I have all of these people. Here's this description of why they're fantastic. Cause I watch them daily. Yes. <laughs> it's a yes. whole going and to bat hard. moment. Yes. And making a case for them because at face value, when you look at someone's feet, sometimes, you know, you may not see all the different topics that they cover because Sometimes you're, I mean, that's probably something else for creators and and something to be cognizant of is your feed is what brands see and just your most recent story, you know? So if you're covering athleisure, wellness, beauty all day in your stories and it never makes it into your feed and all you talk about in your feed is fashion or that's all I see, you're a fashion creator unless I personally follow you. So when you're getting reviewed by a brand, that's all they're going to see as well. And I think that that is also part of the challenge where, you know, we we're creating so many lists and doing so many things. We don't always get to like make a case for everybody. This was a rare, a, a rare thing that we did yesterday. I was like, wow, I'm really going to explain to you who every single person on this list is. And yeah, it's interesting. Also <laughs> yeah. not worth my time. <laughs> right. Right. It's so tough as a creator too, because you're watching your engagement, which your brand is looking at. And if I post outside of my niche, you better believe that that's not going to do as hot, but can yeah. I just talk about mental health in my story? Probably not. If, if I'm talking to a mental health brand, I better see it on my feed. Exactly. Yeah. So we've gone through some of the ways that you discover creators. What about, as I think a lot of creators have this question, is like, how do I get in contact with brands, right? And a lot of brands are represented by agencies. So what yeah. have you seen that has worked or not worked uh, in people pitching you as someone who works for an agency or pitching your team or trying to get on the radar of the agency as a whole? Yes. So I and recent like this past year, I've actually been very impressed because I feel like now, because you don't technically need to be an influencer to be working with brands, you can be a creator with really low following to work with brands. And we work with people from 3k to 3 million, I mean, beyond 3 million, but you know what I mean? Like the range is there. I'm impressed by some people that reach out sometimes with these low followings and are just putting themselves out there and they're saying, this is who I am. Here is my following. Here's what I cover. Here's my engagement rate. Let me know if you want to work together. And I think something as simple as that, because at least you're just putting your name in our inbox and we're all going to see if we want to work with you in that very moment. And I think because there are so many creators, it's like there are friendlies of our agency that we work with on an ongoing basis. I think that those people are also the ones that show up to our events, which I think is the 
honestly, showing up to events is probably the biggest thing that you can do to get like to consistently work with agencies and brands. Right. But obviously that's like, you've already gotten your foot in the door at that point. So I do think that the intro emails do help. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I'm like, you need to get to be in front of us first. But um, I, I do think the, the intro emails as simple and, you know, not thoughtful as they are work. I think to some people take the time to write an essay about themselves and, I don't want to speak for all agencies, but we are moving very fast and working very fast. So we're going to click on your profile. We're going to see what you look like and kind of move on or engage with you. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, so not to say that you shouldn't take time to really like flesh out a story and tell your, about yourself, but I almost don't think it's necessary all the time when you kind of are judged at face value by the content that you're creating. You're preaching to the choir. Yeah. <laughs> No, don't worry. We agree. We agree. Don't give it so much weight and think of it like online, (laughs) online dating here, people. I have three minutes to make a decision if I even care. And that's all you get. (laughs) Right. I have too many emails. I currently have 184 emails that are unread. Like if you send me an essay, I (laughs) ain't nobody got time. Yeah, it's funny too. And I think what I will say too is a lot of creators reach out and they don't include their socials. And I'll take the time to reply to people sometimes and just say like, send me your TikToks, your Instagrams, right. send me all, any links that you have, send them our way. Because we're not going to take the time to find you on the internet. And then I also think you're trying to hide something if you're not sending us your socials, because that is how we are operating here. Um, so yeah, I do think the simple intro email is like do work wow if you're going to search alex you're doing the lord's work <laughs> i would not you really are that's what time. i was thinking if someone too. is not if, putting if it's a not, hyperlink i'm not in yeah a hyperlink yeah not even just your username yeah. i need the hyperlink <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely i definitely think like if it's not hyperlinked i'm out I'm out. You expect me to copy and paste (laughs) this? You expect me to copy and paste this somewhere? You really think? (laughs) Not happening. So funny. Um, Okay, so let's go into the execution of the campaigns. What is your biggest pet peeve? And then we're going to go into what is your biggest golden medal when you're working with someone? Like, what is the worst thing that someone can do that you are like, never reach out to me again? Like, why will never look at another piece of your content? (laughs) And then what is the thing that is like, uh, you are a baby angel and I'm now putting you in every campaign possible? Okay. So I actually was thinking about this because I was working on a couple campaigns at one time, like, I mean, I'm I'm always working on multiple campaigns at one time, but this is a particularly busy time. And it, for some reason, everyone was the worst. And it just, people we had, and I, at this point, I was working with a lot of new creators um, that I hadn't worked with before. And just, it was just one thing after the next. I think too, I, you know, as we just discussed, we get a lot of emails, inboxes are crazy, always trying to streamline the conversation, get get in and get out, you know, like answer anything and then go create your content. Let's get this in motion. Um, you know, after we've already, I mean, so much goes into working with someone, you know what I mean? Like from the initial email of outreach to the wrapping up of the campaign, like there's so many steps, I think, but this, at this point, I had a couple of creators after contracted, we were at the fine, like the content is due. Okay. And the, they, I had multiple people submit their content go back and forth several times trying to get this content approved, get the content approved, 
And then they came back and said they didn't want the content to go live. They wanted the opportunity to be able to reshoot because they didn't feel confident about the imagery anymore. It happened to me three times in the same time. And I was, was sympathetic at first because, you know, if someone doesn't feel confident about the way that they look or, you know, so many things can be in that. Like, What type of brand was it? What type of... It was a footwear brand. So it was also just... <laughs> it didn't make any sense. And I... It, Were they it was worried about the, feet pics? Like, I'm... What was the worry? <laughs> the, they they didn't feel confident in just the, the creative, I think the way that they looked, you know, and it it was one of those moments where we had, had also pushed to get this content through the door with our client to approve it and they didn't love it to begin with and they find their you know, if she's happy with it, let's approve it. And then the day before she was supposed to go live, she came to us and asked for to reshoot. And then she did reshoot and then that content didn't work out and she went back to posting the other content. So to me, I think it was the back and forth and just so much conversation. And uh-huh. I think that that, that was it. I, I think that was the most annoying thing that's ever happened to me. And it happened with multiple people at the same time, which I don't know what was in the air at that time, but it was wild. Wow. Um, and you know, I get that. I, I can assume being on the internet is hard and just all the commentary and all the things that go with posting and sharing yourself every day. Being so on I the internet try to is be hard. sympathetic. I think it is the way. Cheers. <laughs> Famous words. That is my quote of the day. Um, but yeah, so that was an interesting journey. Um, I think my most common one that happens to me is always uh, that they ghost they just stop responding. Like we get through the contracting, we have their pricing, they get the product or whatever they're supposed to do. And then like all of a sudden it's like, hello, it's due tomorrow. Hello. It was due two days ago. Hello. Are you alive? Okay. Now I have to DM you through your stories because I see that you're alive, but you're not responding to any of my emails. Like that is the most common thing that happens to me that that I just cannot. I feel so many. That is challenging. Yeah. I, oh God, guys, I had someone tell me that her website was down, her stories weren't working, her email wasn't working. And I was like... Mm. All simultaneously? Right. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. right. All simultaneously. I was like, oh, I'm calling BS. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, what no, do you mean your website DMs sure. and email are down? No. That's not happening. I think new, this is a very sad fact, but I think the new, um, my dog ate my homework for influencers is I got COVID. The (laughs) amount of times, and I don't want to think that people are using COVID as an excuse, but the amount of times that people have come back to me when their content is due and it's not done and said, oh, I'm so sorry, I got COVID. I'm like, if you're sick, like you email all of your partners right away, right away, say yeah. that things are going to be delayed. Like, please don't wait until the day things are due or after the fact to be like, oh, sorry, I'm delayed. I got COVID. And so I like wasn't doing anything ever. Communication. Like, Communication. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, okay. Let's switch to the golden. Well, let's switch to the golden. I. It's funny too, because I think that that's the downfall though of not when you, there's so many benefits to working directly with a creator and there are, that is the downfall of not having a manager involved mm-hmm. that is there to push everything along. Golden, I would say people that you can tell read the brief. I think, you know, it is funny to me that no one reads them and I can understand, you know, at one point I was working in the VR space and our brief was so long. There were so many things to talk about. 
And people that nailed that, I was like, you spent time and you were thorough and right. you took this as a, you know, because there's a difference between people who, yes, who take a job and really perform and push out good content and they want to check every box because they want you to work with them again. And then there's people that just create content. And I think that both can be successful, but I do think that the ones that can, you know, I think it's, it's kind of beyond being a just... I'm trying to think of the best way to explain this. It's because I do think there's so many different skills that you have to have to create amazing content. You know, you're great with video. You're great. You're a good photographer. You know how to style yourself, you know, whatever the category is. But I would say that is it. And then I also really appreciate people that are just good at corresponding and keeping you updated, like you said, and just managing expectations for all parties. Because I think too, if someone ever comes to you and is and ask for more time, you're the most likely you'll get it unless it's for a launch that it has to be specific, you will get the extra time and the brand would also rather you have the extra time to create great content that will perform well, rather than just rushing to get something done. Um, so I think just people that are communicative, stick with the timeline or ask to move the timeline. I just enjoy working with. Right. And that feels so easy. And anytime I say this to anytime I say this to my followers, I'm like, treat this like a business, literally communicate yeah. and read the brief. It gets so thrown, thrown away because it's, yeah. but it's underrated advice. That's literally all brands are looking for is you absolutely know, do what you're being asked of and communicate mm-hmm. with me. Yeah. Well, and it's like any job, you know, like if you did any other profession, you wouldn't just be able to not follow the instructions. You know, Mm -hmm. you, if your manager was telling you to do something, you know, and you work in corporate America, you're going to follow what your manager says to do. I think there's so many liberties that people have in this business because everyone is their own boss at the end of the day. And they can do what they want if people are going to keep engaging with them. <laughs> right. And that's not to say that you shouldn't have, you know, creative freedom in the brief. Like there is some something to, okay, I have this verbiage. Now I'm going to make it me a little bit. I'm going to throw in the wording that makes sense for me. But if you're just blatantly forgetting a key point, why? Yeah. Spelling the brand name wrong. <laughs> yeah. Spelling it wrong. Saying the brand name wrong. God. In skincare, saying the brand name wrong is so common. (laughs) And to the point where it's like, I can't understand why people wouldn't just like respond back and be like, am I pronouncing this right? I'm sending you a voice note. Like, you can't just assume you know how to say a French word correctly or like, and I get it. Like you, we try and break it down phonetically, but still that's not, it's not that easy. So like just double check that you understand how to say like hyaluronic acid hyaluronic acid you know like know how to say the ingredients it's oh god it's wild the number of times on the podcast that sonia's gone pause let me look that up because i'm not sure if i'm saying this right yes i mean at the top of this call i never want to mispronounce something it gives me anxiety oh gosh okay so let's go into our final question and then we'll wrap it up What is one thing that you wish brands understood about influencer marketing and one thing that you wish influencers and creators understood about influencer marketing? What is like the one golden thing you just wish both of these parties knew right off the bat? Wow. Okay. So (laughs) that is such a challenging question. I I think there's so many things, but I think for the most part with brands, 
I, I think pricing is the most challenging thing. I think rates and understanding that whole side of it. I, the biggest education rather with every brand that I have and then thinking that we can go out with these insulting rates. And sometimes I have to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we'll gather rates from, you know, typically how I work, I do, if I haven't worked with that creator before, I like to reach out and get their rates from them and then, you know, take it to the team. And then we decide what we can do within the campaign budget that we have. And sometimes it's like a third of what they asked for and they, we find a way to make it work. You know, it, it is what it is. And some brands do not have big budgets. I guess this is something that I wish everybody understood if we want to like use this for influencers as well. Because I think too, you know, even if a brand seems really big, it doesn't mean that they have budget. And so I think that is something that creators and influencers, I think can, you know, they think maybe I'm just trying to, you know, abuse the situation and try to get a really low rate. You know, typically I'm just working with what I'm given and trying to find the best people within the range that I can do, you know, stretch my budget as far as I can go. So I just wish that, like we said at the top of this call, I think a lot of brands now see the value in influencer marketing and they're putting a lot more dollars behind it. And I think that that is so exciting to see, but you know, just because someone might have a hundred K and then they're like, but we want to partner with a hundred people. And you're like, well, that's not how this works. And so (laughs) the education on both sides, I would say, um, just because too, like, I don't like to take people low offers and I have to sometimes because that's what I get approved by the brand. So um, that, I guess for both, I wish to, you know, I think creators pass on opportunities sometimes that I'm shocked that they pass on, but that's, I guess, not an education. That's probably just me being like, accept my deal. <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, that's a little it's different. <laughs> such a tough world because there is mm-hmm. so much trash in the industry that at some point it's just exhausting, you know? Mm -hmm. It's exhausting that you can't, that there's so limited knowledge on what it's actually worth. Like there is no other place that you can get eyes on, you know, 10K people for the rate of influencer marketing sometimes. And um, especially from a trusted audience. So I think it's really on your on your creator to say like this is my getting out of bed rate and anything past that like is great like of course I can set my rate high and you know know my worth da, 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 I'm shimmying and totally that's amazing but as long as the brand is hitting that getting out of bed rate where your hourly is covered for all of this back and forth that we've been talking about then mm-hmm. voila check yeah yeah. And I, and I will say too, I, you know, I respect people that come out the gate with really high rates because if, if some, if just one person says yes to you and the rate that you showed up with, congrats. Like, (laughs) I think that's great. And I think if someone can pay you what you is, you know, maybe sometimes an astronomical number, you know, I think that that's a, to your point is hard as a creator to know what your value and your worth is. And then also be realistic about what you should be getting paid and I think you can be strategic, but I also can guarantee that sometimes high rates discourage brands from wanting to work with you and they just will not come back to you even with a low rate because they're like, A, we don't want to insult this person and come back with yep. a fraction of what they needed. But then also, if you have a low following and I get your rate compared to someone who has been in the business for a very long time, knows, you know, they, or maybe they work with an agency that has helped them create these, you know, set rates that they work with it's just you can't rationalize it at the end of the day 
I definitely think that on the influencer side, the thing that you mentioned about like understanding that even though a brand is a household name, even though a brand seems like they they report a multi-million dollar company, you know, we see this all the time on F you pay me on that Instagram site where people are calling out brands that are like multi-million dollars that say like we don't have a budget or we only have five hundred dollars, like the reality is sometimes that is the truth. Like the brand is not actually trying to fleece you. And there are brands that do. And that's really like shitty behavior. I think the, agency, yeah. the agency isn't trying to pull one over on you. True. I, I mean, I don't think the agency or the brand, sometimes the brand is rooted in other things. Like all their money is not rooted in the marketing department. It's rooted in sales. Sure, right. It's rooted sure. in DTC. It's rooted in their their physical stores. Like you might be a multi-million dollar brand and only have $50,000 for a quarter for your campaign. And like, that's it. Like it might seem like you're high and mighty, but it doesn't mean that that brand has come around on influencer marketing yet. So it's yeah. just like, it's unrealistic to think that every massive brand that's multi-million has a huge budget automatically. They have dollars, but they're getting spent also on multi-million things, like lots yeah. of different places. So I think keeping that in mind is super huge. Like pricing on both ends, major lessons to be learned there. I wish there were rates that were just consistent that Ugh. we all... Don't we all? That would be a fascinating (laughs) time. (laughs) That would be a wild, wild time. Uh, Well, thank you so much, Alex, for joining us on this episode of Brand Me Creator. I hope that everyone learned both on the brand and the creator side so much from today's conversation. And if people want to find you, should they reach out on IG? How would you like them to find you? Yes, IG is great. I'm very active okay. in my DMs. Amazing. <laughs> we will we will link um, Alex's Instagram in the show notes and we'll see you next time. 